Hey everybody, Molly here. Just wanted to give you a heads up that on this episode, we talk about some mature content, some adult content about intimacy and relationships with our partners. If that is a subject you'd rather not have little ears here, feel free to go ahead and pop in those headphones and you can wear those for the episode. We keep the content clean as always, but there are some mature themes discussed. Thanks and stay tuned for the episode. Hey, hey, welcome to Toddler Purgatory. I'm one of your co-hosts, Blair. Hi, everybody. Molly here. I'm so excited about today's subject. We are talking about, listen, here's the thing. (laughs) The relationships in your home that tend to get the most attention are the loud ones. The relationships where somebody is the loudest, and that's often our kids. Them squeaky wheels. The squeaky wheels get the grease. Mm -hmm. Today we're talking about, oh yeah, right, that other relationship in some of our households, which is our partner relationship. How'd you get here? Who sent you? When did this person arrive? Apparently they've been here the whole time. I don't know. I don't know. (laughs) But it's hard to focus on that quote unquote other relationship when we have between one and one million voices (laughs) (laughs) screaming at us from the other room for more Cheerios. Mm -hmm. Very rarely does my husband scream for more Cheerios. (laughs) Occasionally he bellows for an IPA and I'm like, get it yourself. And that's our get it yourself. (laughs) But it is so, so hard. This is a common thing that people feel in relationships. It tends to kind of take away from the amount of energy, the amount of focus that you can put on that really the primary primo relationship that's in the house with your partner. It's like the person that you chose to do this thing with just gets tossed right out of the window as soon as the little babitos. Yes. Not even when they get here, because I really feel like in the very beginning, my husband and I were like, yes, look at what we did. And it was like very like partners in crime. Like, this is awesome. And then when the demand went up and he got older and then when we had a second, it was just like, excuse me, can you get out of my way? There's things I have to get done. Yes, that is so true. And the thing I think we're trying to avoid is the growth of resentment and contempt. It's a kind of a harsh way of saying it, but like every once in a while, it does feel like I can't get done what I need to get done because of this other person's needs or demands. Like, And I only have one child. Mm. And some angels out there have more than one child, including yourself, you have two. So the biggest thing is making sure that it doesn't get to that point where I read a New York Times article called How to Reconnect with Your Partner After Having Kids. And they put it really well, which was you don't want to suddenly, you know, wake up, so to speak, and realize that you're leading parallel lives with your partner. Mm. That really stuck with me because sometimes it does feel that way. It 100% feels that way. And it's not something that you work on doing. Right. It literally is like, oh, you just get into your own routine and also like, The care for self, as we've, you know, talked about a lot is that care for self kind of goes out the window. Yes. Like you say, my bandwidth cannot right now. So in this article, Michelle Weiner Davis, a marriage and family therapist who apparently has a TEDx talk about sex starved marriages that's been viewed more than five million times. You know, I'm looking that up. I bet you know they have. Yes. I just took out my pen and paper and said, tell me again the name of that woman. So Michelle Weiner Davis, (laughs) this therapist says, it seems to have been the norm for so many couples to say to themselves, quote, now that the kids are here, we'll focus on the kids. Our day will come. Mm. 
but here's the bad news from someone who's been on the front lines with couples for decades. Unless you treat your relationship, your marriage, like it's a living thing, ooh, mm -hmm, which requires nurturing on a regular basis, you won't have a marriage after the kids leave home. Yeah. First of all, I'm not allowing my son to move out of the house. I would miss him too much. Yep. Please stay. <laughs> Secondly, she's right. Also, that thing about her being right, because you have to treat it as a living thing. And it's so true. It's so true. And listen, here's the thing. I'm almost embarrassed to admit this. But when my husband and I, even when we got married, we were so on the same page of just like, this is us. This is what we do. This is how we're doing it. It's we against the world. Right. And then when we got pregnant with my son, it was like, it is still we. It is you and I. Me and you in the trenches. And then it just kind of, it doesn't go away. It's still there. It's just dormant. And not on, and like I said, it's not on purpose. And we're still very much like us against the world, us against them. But everything is just so immediate with those kids, you know? Yeah, the needs are so immediate. So immediate. And always. Yep. It just feels like it never stops. Yes. You know, for my husband and I, and Blair, you and I have talked about this a little bit, but, you know, like most marriages, we have our ups and downs, but our strongest connection, which I'm so grateful for, is our friendship, which is so good. Nobody makes me laugh harder. Witty. Yeah, super witty. Keeps me on my toes. It's great. And sometimes when I have... The thing that makes me craziest is, like, doing dishes or something and, like, having something in my head... Mm -hmm. And then somebody comes in and wants something and you kind of go, what? You know, you don't mean you're not angry at them, mm -hmm. whether it's the dog wanting a treat or it's the kid wanting a treat or the husband wanting a treat. But he can soften that so much by just how funny he is and, you know, making me laugh. And I'm so grateful for that connection. And I think that we have been able to hang on to that thing through this whole thing. Because when the pandemic hit, my son was two and a half. Mm -hmm. Isn't that crazy? He's 14 now. <laughs> just kidding. But it does feel that way. He's five. Yes. Isn't that crazy? Well, oh, no, wait. I'm sorry. Not two and a half. He was three, three and a half. Mm -hmm. But it's so nuts. So here we are hanging on to that connection, trying to make sure that we don't end up resenting the person with whom we said we're going to enter this new world together, this new world of parenthood. Right. It always goes in with like such good, honest, earnest, genuine intention. Yes. And then like they say, like my mom always says, you never know until you experience it. Right. And it's so true. Yes. I thought that. And this is the thing, too, that they don't tell you. It's not when you get pregnant. People think that, oh, like you figure things out when you get pregnant. No, 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 no. You still feel like a normal human being aside from like pregnancy stuff. But there's no human being that you're really, truly taking care of. Right. Outside of your womb. Outside of your womb. So it's like a lot of this stuff doesn't come to until months after. Maybe a year. Maybe a couple of years. Like it takes a while. And so now here we are bringing it to our own attention and also to your attention, listeners, that this is a living thing. This relationship is a living thing that we need to nurse and exercise <laughs> more than I exercise. <laughs> take it to the gym. Oh, God, take it to the gym. To the family gym. <laughs> but I love that idea. I love that. You have to nurture it on a regular basis. And we're going to talk more about that after the break. And let me tell you something before we go to break. Stay till the end of the episode. Because we are going to have some special guests. Some special guests to talk to us about this. I'll give you a hint. They're near and dear to our hearts. 
And they helped bring these children into the world. Yes, exactly. Not physically, but there are midwives. Just kidding. <laughs> we'll be right back. Stick around. It's January, and for me, that means New Year's resolutions. I don't know about you, but eating more healthy foods is always on the top of my goal list. Eating healthy is now easier with Hungry Root, and right now, Hungry Root is offering toddler purgatory listeners 40% off your first delivery and free veggies for life. Hungry Root makes it easy to eat healthy. They support all the major diets and lifestyles, including gluten-free, vegan-vegetarian, dairy-free, low-carb, and others. Hungry Root is the easiest way to get fresh high-quality food delivered to your door. They've got healthy groceries and simple recipes all in one place. I love that Hungry Root recommends recipes and groceries based on my taste. I like to take their suggestions, and I always love what I get. My favorite are their burritos. I can quickly heat up a burrito and have lunch with no hassle. Right now, Hungry Root is offering Toddler Purgatory listeners 40% off your first delivery and free veggies for life. Just go to HungryRoot.com slash to get 40% off your first delivery and get your free veggies. That's hungryroot.com slash toddler. Don't forget to use our link so they'll know we sent you. Hey, welcome back, everybody. We are talking about nursing that other relationship, that other kind of nursing. (laughs) It feels weird to say that word. The other relationship in the house and making sure that we are working and exercising the living, breathing thing that is our relationship with our partners. We can get so easily distracted by the other many relationships that are so also emotional and fraught with love and, you know, all the other emotions that come along with it. So what can we do? One of the strategies that we came up with was, and this is sort of a great thing in life, right? When you're a parent, which is think of it however you want to, this reminder. The way they put it in New York Times was put on your life preserver first. And that means making sure, and I used to say this, I remember when I was younger, I would say, I was talking about like even being in a relationship with somebody when I was dating, I would say, you know, I can't be usually talking about the person I wanted to be in a relationship with who wasn't interested in me. How dare they? (laughs) (laughs) And one thing I would kind of see, you know, when I was outside the situation further on was that person, you know, couldn't be with me or I couldn't be with that person because we were not 100% with ourselves. Mm -hmm. Like... When you are coming into something fractured or broken or scarred, it's incredibly hard to be able to be there as a fully living, breathing partner to somebody else, whether that be dating or, you know, marriage, whatever. My husband and I always said to each other that we were so thankful that we found each other when we did because we both were 100-100 coming into our relationship and not 50-50. I feel like he is such a great reflection upon some of my not so great parts. Yeah. But he helps me like see those things and we talk about those things and we're like, okay, and it helps me refocus my mirror upon myself. Yeah. So that I can fix it. Which is good, but you're able to do that and to see that because you're standing on your own two feet. Yes. Because you're good with yourself. You're good with life. For sure. And I think when we're in, you know, starting these journeys of parenthood, we often feel, I don't know about you, but I feel like I'm on a very tippy boat and the storm is coming in. <laughs> yeah. Tippy boat. It's more like a canoe. Holes and also a storm. <laughs> and also somebody coming out of the water like a, what is it called? A kraken. <laughs> Just a sea monster <laughs> coming up to take my canoe down. Not today, kraken. Not today. Get back down in there, kraken. <laughs> 
Dr. Alexandra Sachs is a reproductive psychiatrist and host of the Motherhood Sessions podcast. And she says, when you experience your partner's desire for intimacy as an intrusion, ask yourself, how deprived am I in my own self-care? Ooh, okay. Mm-hmm. What do I need to do to take care of myself in order to feel connected to my own sexuality? <gasps> yeah. Wow. I like that. And overall, what I read was that, and you know, I think this is a good rule in general. You got to call for reinforcements, whether that be family or your chosen family or your friends. Check in with your partner and say, this is what I need mm-hmm. to be able to cover some of the other things in your life so you can focus on yourself. We have a great self-care episode, which is it isn't just about finding time to take a shower. It's about taking care of your whole self. Mm-hmm. And I think that's part of this as well. Because that is a form, relying on other people is a form of self-care and intimacy. Absolutely. And I think we have to get away. And I think this is like very generational and it's kind of trickled down into our generation is this whole like sacrificial kind of thing. You know, when you have kids. You're a mother now. Yeah. Yes. You're a mom now. This is the, well, you can't have that or you shouldn't do that or you, you know, it's like, wait, then what can I have? What can I do? Because I'm consistently depleted. Yes. So I think that we have to take that to that like sacrificial part of it out of it and not look at it as selfishness. Look at it as selflessness so that you can be your best self. You can be your best mom. Yeah. And you can be your best partner. And listen, your reinforcements too can be a therapist for both of you. Let's take the shame out of that. Sometimes we lose our way. Sometimes we get so caught up in the resentment and in the things and into the dailiness of the daily craziness that sometimes you get a little lost and then you sit in front of your partner and it gets kind of like going around in circles. Listen, reach out to someone who has studied this and can really help you reconnect, really like have the communication that's needed in order to preserve. Yes. Another thing that Dr. Alexandra Sachs recommends is making a list of everything you used to do together as a couple that helped you feel close. Hmm. I thought that was interesting. And thinking about how those rituals have changed. Mm, She says you can't just eliminate those things and expect to still feel that closeness. Ain't that the truth? Yeah. But you're examining, you're holding it out in front of you and looking at it and maybe finding other ways to find those kinds of connection. Well, something that just like aha me was just like, you can't just eliminate it and expect to still feel close. That's so true. Because I think that there's like that human thing that we do where we just expect things to carry on as they are. Because in your head, nothing has changed or just because you're not thinking about it doesn't mean that it's not there or that it's, I don't know. It's just like, because you're going and going and going and it's going to change in that going and going and going. It's going to change and you can't expect it to feel like it once felt if the behavior isn't there anymore. Isn't there. So slow your roll, take a sec and then say, you know, what? I think you're right. I think that was an aha for me too, because mm. yeah, I think it's helpful now that my son is in preschool a few days a week. Not, I mean, we're working and stuff, but We definitely have lunch like once a week. That's great. Which is really good because my husband works on campus, which is only like two blocks from our house, which is we're lucky in that way. But to be able to have carve out that little bit of time, it also feels like stolen time. We're like, ooh, (laughs) we get to have leftover pasta today together. So now in the same vein as these relationship connectors that we're talking about, which is more about friendship or romance. Also, there's the question of intimacy. 
And that is, did you hear me swallow after I said that? Like, it made me like, uh, like panic a little bit. (laughs) I might even have like a little bit, just like a touch of hives on my neck. (laughs) So this is just another way to kind of hold out in front of you and really take a look at what drives you. So think about what turns you on. According to Emily Nagoski, she's the author of Come As You Are, The Surprising New Science (laughs) That Will Transform Your Sex Life. Love it. One way to nurture intimacy is to remind yourselves of the context in which you had a great sexual connection together. When doing this exercise and when thinking about your current libido or lack thereof, ding, ding, ding. Mm. It's also helpful to remember that not everyone experiences spontaneous desire, Mm. the kind of sexual desire that pops up out of nowhere. For example, you're walking down the street and you suddenly can't stop thinking about sex. Millions of other people experience something different called responsive desire, which stems from erotic stimulation. Okay. Okay. In other words, arousal comes first and then desire. Both types of desire are normal. Neither of these are abnormal. They're both completely normal. So think about the ways in which you feel sexual with your partner or by yourself. And that will help you kind of take a look at it and insert into your life, so to speak, what you need. Nailed it. Well, it's like... It's literally the difference between 22-year-old Blair in college, a whoop, 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 whoop. Well, not college. This is after college. Versus 42-year-old Blair, who's like, mama's tired. You know? I guess if we get going, I'll probably get into it. Exactly. (laughs) Exactly. (laughs) That is so funny. It's more of talking about it because I have, I just, I had all the time in the world back then. Yeah. And just like Rick Miller, the psychotherapist in Massachusetts from the New York Times article says like intimacy isn't just hot sex, right? He says that it's a steadfast loyalty, a commitment to getting through stressful times together, and most importantly, enjoying the warm, cozy moments of home together. That's very true. Which is so nice. It's very true. And being able to recognize that and not shame myself or hold myself hostage for not feeling the exact same way that I did 20 years apart. Oh my gosh, that is so true. Not beating yourself up. Yeah. Things have changed. Blair, didn't you just say to me the other day, like, my body has changed. My mind has changed. There are aspects of me that are quite different. Like, we need to touch base on this. Like, creating that intimacy now with your partner feels way different than it might have 20 years ago. This is not just a physical hurdle. It's a psychological hurdle. I'm getting to know this new body. So just like what you said, Blair, that intimacy isn't always hot sex. Intimacy is also supporting your partner, your birthing partner, with how they're getting to know this new world, this new body that they're in. That's cuddling. Maybe you go back to the basics. Maybe you make out a little bit. Mm-hmm. Maybe you snuggle on the couch a little more. Maybe you give back massages. Please, somebody give me a back massage. Please. And work your way down to my feet, please. <laughs> and then let me fall asleep. That would be <laughs> great. And then you can start doing these strategies that we have. Reconnecting about the rituals that brought you together in the first place. How have those changed You know, Mm -hmm. I mean, I don't know about you, Molly. I keep referring back to my 22 year old self. I didn't know. And I think, too, there's like been such an awakening to a lot of to sexuality, to intimacy. You mean like in the world, in the world, in the world, period. So there's a lot like I didn't know so much about myself intimately. Yeah. Perforce that I thought that I had the same body after I had my baby. You know what I mean? Like, I knew, like, things were different, 
But as far as like the inner workings, I was like, yeah, sure. Yeah, it's going to behave like it used to. <gasps> Not the case. This just in. Not the case. This just in. But yeah, I agree. I thought breaking news. Yeah. Yeah, it's a whole new home. You moved into a new home. So here's another strategy to bring back that intimacy. And this is an interesting thing, I thought. They say, create a magic, quote unquote, magic circle. What? In your, <laughs> in your bedroom, which of course reminds me of the ring of fire <laughs> when I had the baby. <laughs> That's exactly what I was thinking of. Like, yes. Oh, okay. Magic circle, very different from the ring of fire. So the magic circle in your bedroom is you're psychologically blocking out, fuzzying the edges, so to speak, of your environment so that you can focus on intimacy <laughs> because sometimes it might be hard to get your head out of the parenting mode mm. if all you see around you is evidence of your parenting, mm. right? You see the crib, you see the pile of toys, you see the clothes, whatever. So this is also a muscle you have to work, the psychological muscle of creating that magic circle. And the only people in that magic circle are you and your partner. Hmm. And that's it. I thought this was very interesting. And I actually, they said about in your bedroom, but I have to tell you, if you co-sleep <laughs> with your child, so maybe it's somewhere else in your mm. abode, right? Maybe it's in the living room. <laughs> Make a magic circle elsewhere. Yeah, but pick up your <laughs> magic circle. Everybody take an edge. So you're all carrying it. Take an edge. Take an edge. <laughs> exactly. Share the load. Move that magic circle elsewhere. And again, it's really just a fuzzying of the edges so that you can truly focus on, and it's a mindset. To truly focus on your partner so that you can like, essentially, you're just blocking out the visual cues that you have another job in life, which is to parent. Mm -hmm. You don't need to be thinking about that during intimacy. No thanks. Thanks, but no thanks. No thank you. Give yourself a break from it. Oh, I got to work on that (laughs) magic circle. Because listen, because my magic circle is real small. You're in it and you go to sleep. (laughs) (laughs) Mama gets in that magic circle. She pulls up the covers and she go night night. (laughs) maybe once in a while put it on your calendar i know it's funny too about like put it on your calendar i say sort of cavalierly but like sometimes you gotta put it on your calendar (laughs) sometimes you do and some people everybody's relationship is different maybe you text your partner one of the examples in the article was a person texts their partner the emoji of a taco (laughs) and then their partner texts back the emoji of an eggplant and that means that they're gonna have sex that night (laughs) That made me laugh so hard. I was like, oh, it's simple. It's called shorthand. Okay, well, that's simple. Well, I get it. Very clear. Efficient. I would have been like, Mexican eggplant tacos. Yum. (laughs) Tell me where and when and I will make that order. (laughs) And that's our one last strategy for you here, which is don't rely on spontaneity. Sure. Sometimes spontaneity will happen. Sure, 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 sure. That maybe not for me. Maybe for you. (laughs) Good night. I'm sorry. I'm in my magic circle. (laughs) Asleep. So Karen Jeffries is the author of a book called Hilariously Infertile. And she says, think of building good sexual habits just like you would develop good eating or exercising habits. Oh, whoops. Make it. I know. Make it a habit. And that, you know, that's what we're talking about is like your relationship is a living, breathing organism that you need to nurture. Mm -hmm. And whatever kind of intimacy we're talking about, whether it's snuggling on the couch with a glass of wine and watching. Look, we've been watching Hacks on HBO. It's so good. Oh, yeah. Yeah, shout out. I think I texted you, right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. So good. So that for us right now, our intimacy is like laughing about our day, venting about our days, and then we sit with a little half glass of wine or whatever 
and watch hacks and laugh. And we pause during it. Like that's intimacy too, is like shared experience. Whatever that intimacy building thing is for you. And sometimes, you know what? Y'all gonna have to put it on your calendar. I have to get out of the feeling like I'm alone in it. Right. You know, I think that there's a lot that comes with motherhood that we have definitely talked about that is like so isolating and it's like the thoughts, it's the energy. I don't know what it is, but there's so much of it that feels just like so singular. Like you are alone. You are alone. And like I said, it's just like, I can't, I've even tried to explain it to my husband. I'm just like, I can't tell you what it is that I'm feeling, but I just feel so alone. And so when we like, just truth be told, when we talk about like how much work this is, which it is, and like you said, you have to nurture it. There's a part of me that's just like, I just wish that I could just like slice my brain, my mother brain in half and just like give it to him so that he can feel what I'm feeling and know why I'm not as open or I'm not working as hard as I could be. You too. Like working as hard at the us of you and your husband. At us, for sure. At the us of it. If I could just like show him, show him and just be like, this is it. Can I just give you half of this? Can I just give you some of this? And you know what would happen? He'd be like, yeah, here's half of mine. Can you guys sit down and do that? You know, he'd be like, this is what I'm thinking too. Yeah. Yeah, we can. We should. We have. We should. Maybe we should do it on the pot. <laughs> oh, man. <laughs> So look, now you have strategies. Thank you for opening your heart just now, Blair. I really appreciate that. Listen, I do it because I know that someone out there and needs that validation. I think a lot of people do. I think a lot of people, yeah. For sure. If only you could see, essentially it boils down to, if only you could see even half of what my brain is going through the day, keeping this show on the road, (laughs) keeping this thing going. Mm -hmm. Yeah. And I think that's about reconnecting with our partners. Mm -hmm. It's about nurturing this living organism, which is our relationship with our partners. And it's being honest with each other and honest with ourselves, Mm -hmm. you know, about what we need. I am depleted. I cannot be there for you when I'm barely there for myself. What do I need to do to take care of myself so that we can even have the time and the energy and the focus to sit down at the table and say, what did we used to do that was awesome? We went for a run every Sunday in Central Park. Okay, we can't do that now. First of all, we moved out of the city. (laughs) (laughs) So we physically can't do that. But like, were the rituals that got us together? How have they changed or how can we change them to have them still play the same role in our life, which is connecting us? Mm -hmm. And I think, you know, just even to pull your kids into it, I mean, we are their greatest teachers, right? And these kids get nothing but energy now, right? Especially zero to five, zero to six. They're feeling and seeing nothing but energy. And if we're treating our partners and we're nurturing our partners in the way that we should, our kids are going to model that. Yes. And they sense and without being able to label it or verbalize it because they're children, they also are noticing in their periphery Tension, separation, parents who live parallel lives. Yeah, of course. And so if we're not teaching them how to connect, if we're not showing them the way, then we are maybe shortchanging them and how to build those connections in their own life. Exactly. Look, when we come back, what a treat. These people we've been talking about behind their backs, (laughs) (laughs) our partners, we're going to have just a little chat with them, just a little brief question and answer session with them just to check in with them to see how they're feeling about all this too. 
And we hope that you all took away some strategies to reconnect with yourself and your partner and move forward in life, kind of nurturing this little, this tiny baby called our, not baby, (laughs) called our relationship. (laughs) Maybe that is it, right? Maybe that's how we have to think of it. We have to love our relationship with our partner as much as we love our own children. Ooh. Thank you all. We'll see you right after the break. Stick around. When you bring your child home for the first time, you want a baby monitor you can trust. When you choose Stork, you choose technology trusted to monitor 10 million babies in hospitals every year. Stork continuously tracks your baby's pulse rate, oxygen saturation, and temperature. Visit MassimoStork.com to learn more. Stork, a revolutionary baby monitor, is born. Stork is not a medical device. Read and understand all product labeling. Massimo data on file. Hey there, I'm Debbie Reber, the founder of Tilt Parenting and the author of the book, Differently Wired. The mission of Tilt is to change the way neurodivergence, whether that's having a learning disability, having ADHD, being gifted, autistic, or some combination of all of the above, is perceived and experienced so differently wired kids and the parents like us raising them can truly thrive. On the Tilt Parenting Podcast, I get to talk with authors, therapists, educators, and parenting experts who are committed to this mission. I ask the questions my listeners are most curious about when it comes to supporting our kids. And in turn, my guests share strategies for challenges, out-of-the-box ideas for navigating school, best practices for therapies, tips for advocating, and so many thoughtful insights on what it really takes to help our kids grow up feeling seen and respected so they can create awesome lives for themselves. I know that raising a differently wired kid can feel overwhelming and isolating, but I promise you, you are not alone and it can feel so much better. If you're on this parenting journey, come listen to Tilt Parenting. Together, we can shift this paradigm and show up for our exceptional kids with hope, possibility, and joy. Hi, David. Hi, Molly. Listen, I'm just going to ask you a few questions here. Okay. In what ways do you feel you've changed since having kids? Well, we don't have it. Do first of all, <laughs> there's news in that uh, question for me because you said multiple kids and we and have one. That is news to me. Surprise. Um, so I've changed a lot right now. But I think specifically, I think pri- just priorities have shifted. I think that's one of those significant things. There's a different sense of what's important and what I, I should take time for, what I do take time for in my life in general, certainly work when I should be working, when I should not be working, when I should be home, when I should be paying attention to our child and when instead of doing something else, uh, certainly that is a, is a big one. And I also think even just, I think the sense of mortality, I, I, as a, I don't read a lot about horoscopes, as you know, but um, with Scorpios, apparently there's an obsession with death that I already had. <laughs> oh, that's interesting. But there's a different sense of mortality, I think, with with having a child, being a parent, and uh, being aware of what your what your legacy is to them, what you're leaving for them, what you're creating for them, what you're carving out, and and how you have only a finite amount of time to do that. Tick. Talk, David. Yeah, it's true. I want to go back to one thing you said, which was kind of knowing when it's time to focus on your kid, when it's time without getting distracted by work. Mm-hmm. How how is that for you? How do you handle that when you're at home and you and you need to shift that focus? <laughs> on the best of days, zooming in on being present 
in that moment? Like what's, what's important? Like, oh, okay. He wants, he wants to, as he keeps saying, be physical on the couch with me, <laughs> like can wrestle and push and play pushy monster. And some, sometimes it's like, no, that is, yeah, that is what's important right now. That that's, and that's beneficial for both of us. And then I think then trying to, and I think this is a challenge all the time is, and then figuring out when are the times when, no, actually I do need to do work and I need to make that clear. And that's part of learning as a human being about how not everybody is making you their first priority all the time. And there's a clear benefit to our working to take care of our family. So it's actually still in his best interest if I do my job. Right. What are some things that you think are helpful for you and I when we're hanging out with our son who is hilarious, loud, and demanding, <laughs> and so loving. Um, what are some ways that we have found successes with finding time for each other? I think um, certainly with uh, taking advantage of this, the, the time after he goes to bed is certainly one of those things. Yeah. Um, I also think one of the things that we, because we, we have strange schedules in our work, we have been able to kind of carve out almost like playing hooky times. <laughs> okay. Those are, but some, and sometimes they're unexpected. They're actually similar to what we, uh, I think we did even pre pre child was we would randomly end up with a pocket of time in the middle of the day where we weren't working, where the other person, you know, or one of us or the other of us, you know, didn't have, work that afternoon, but did in the evening or did in the morning and the evening. And so we had this weird pocket of time and all of a sudden said, Hey, let's just, you know, go grab a coffee or something like that. And I, and I think that that is one of the things that we've, because of our, the nature of our creative work, we've had to do that and and we're used to that. So I think that is something that we continue to take advantage of like, all right, so this is not what we planned, but let's just go again, grab a cup of coffee, grab a drink or something. Yeah. In the middle of the afternoon. And we're not able to do that all the time. But when we do, we are so appreciative of it, aren't we? We like we're like giddy. Yeah. (laughs) No, it is. Yeah, it is unusual enough to feel pretty special. That's for sure. (laughs) But I guess it is. It's the what do we do? It's like, well, we take advantage of those. We we relish that time. I mean, I think we really value that time and make the most of those windows. Yeah. When do you feel most protected or cared for since having kids? Well, the thing I think about just immediately that comes to mind is an anecdotal example of feeling supported in that we each need our individual time. In addition to our work time, that we really do need self-care. We do need to take those moments just to ourselves to do the thing that's not accomplishing anything. That's what, you know, whatever it is. So I feel always, I, I really feel supported by you in that you value that for me, just as I value it for you. And the, the thing that I think of immediately is Father's Day this year uh, was great. Uh, we had a lovely time together as a family. And then you said, well, and well, what, how do you want to spend your day? I said, I'd love to get out of here and go to <laughs> drama bookshop and look at, you know, theater books and have coffee and then maybe just get a beer on the way home at a someplace I haven't gone before. And you said, great, go for it. And it was just a moment of, it was a moment of self-care. It was a moment of selfishness for me that you just support it. It was like, yeah, great. So I think we we do that. And, and the chance to make sure that we're connecting to 
the other people in our lives or friends and spending time with them and, and um, connecting with them, I think is definitely part of that. And then the other part that I think of is of feeling cared for and supported in a very different way, but very specific to having a child is when things don't go well in my relationship with our child mm. and he's, you know, acting out and he's doing these things and he's lashing out and whatever it is, oh, I hate you. And, I, you know, all these things that just uh, sometimes just come out of being hungry, being whatever, but, but re- you really working at, for both of our sakes, like reminding us it, that he doesn't really mean that, like, that's not, in a few moments, he's going to not think that, or he spent, I love that when you are able to tell me that he'll say, get out of here, get out data. And then you'll say all day, he's been talking about you. Right. <laughs> and right. <laughs> and then you got home and he doesn't want you here. So it doesn't make sense. It's not logical. So to yeah. be reminded in a very helpful way that, that that's not that moment of behavior is not the story of the relationship. Sometimes I think we're good at like just connecting with eye contact over the kitchen table. Like, yeah, I was going to say that too. Cause we yeah. have, we have the, the things that I was talking about are the conversations we have in private later on mm-hmm. or whatever, like we don't have it in the moment, but because we have those conversations regularly enough, we can just look at each other and you can just kind of shake your head. No, like, and in that, and in that look, I know you're saying that's not true. He's not <laughs> yeah. like, it's not, it's something else right now that's going on. It's not that thing. I will say this though, David, I miss going on dates. I hate this time we're in. Yeah, it is challenging. And it really does. That's another one of those times where we, we do, when we have those opportunities, we're like, oh yeah, this is, this is good. Um, one thing we discussed earlier in this episode, which you have not listened to yet, is uh, sitting down. One of the tools they suggest is kind of sitting down and making a list of all the things that you and your partner did and would like to do more of to stay connected, those activities that sort of strengthen your connection with each other. Um, if you and I were to do that exercise, well, what do you think some of those would be? I'm putting you on the spot, Davey. Yeah, I guess exactly what we're saying is just the chance to like go out to dinner, go out and have uh, and and sort of not, I don't know, having leisurely time. I think that that's the thing that's the the toughest to carve out because sometimes we carve out time enough to go out to dinner, but then we got to get back and we got to really, really do that. And and I think um, also doing things like we were just talking about the other day about trying to see this play that we both want to see, but not being able to see it on the same night. And yeah, that yeah. being okay for right now, but also then trying to do those things together that we love, that we used to be able to do with great ease, like mm-hmm. going to see concerts together, like <gasps> and going to see, you know, and going to see theater uh, together and, you know, going to, well, just social events and at all, really. Uh, and with other people, because you and I are social beasts. We love hanging out with other people. Yeah, yeah. And I think that's, yeah, and that's one of those challenges, certainly in the era of uh, that we're in right now of COVID, that's also challenging, but it's also also a product of parenting, also a product of career paths taking us to, you know, places away from our friends and our friends going to different places because of their career paths and things like that. So, um, so that's a challenge, but yeah, we do. And I think that one of our, one of our things that we come up against is there are a lot of people that we really like that we want to hang out with and in the old days, we used to just invite everybody. 
Yes. <laughs> we yeah, just we're in a tough to time. be able to just go, Hey, we're just going to be at this bar, uh, you know, at this time, like you want to, if you want to drop by and then we'd be the ones that would be there for six hours and we'd have different friends just like show up over the course of the evening. And I love that. And it was a lot, it was, it tended to be a spontaneous kind of thing. It, and it, it again, had a kind of a leisurely feel to it. It was a very social uh, and very, yeah, very satisfying. And I feel like we are in a super tough time right now, but you and I thrive on social interaction. But um, I wonder if we just need to like do that thing we used to do, like get it on the calendar and find ways to do it safely to feed, to fill that cup, mm-hmm. you know, as, as individuals, but also as a couple, like you and I, you're right. Like on our list would be that thing. And um, I think we can do, maybe you and I can brainstorm some ways to do that safely in this current environment. And mm-hmm. I have to go back to one other thing you said, which is concerts. Oh my gosh. Yes. So this summer, maybe we can find some outdoor ones, to, some to bring our son to, and maybe some that we don't, that we can go to. And in the meantime, there are so many great recorded concerts. Let's find some. Yeah. After bedtime, you and I can put one on, like when you went and saw the Morrissey concert at the movie theater and danced by yourself. It was great. <laughs> it was great. I love it. I love it so much. Yeah. Um, I feel like you and I do a pretty good job. And, and I, I think that when one or both of us recognizes that we haven't made that time for each other. I think we're pretty good about one of us figuring it out, being able to take that step back from the, the tough time that we're all living in, but also the demands of parenthood, the demands of living these wild creative lives. I have to say mostly you, I think you're really good at that. Thank you. And on that note, I should let you go because we're on a one hour break in the middle of the day on a Tuesday. Yeah, I'm going to go teach class. (laughs) Great. Um, Thanks, David. I love you. I love you, too. So, toddler purgatory world, I'm here with a special guest, my partner in purgatory crime, Bill. Bill, say hello to the people. Hello, people. (laughs) In what ways do you feel like you've changed since having kids? Aside from less sleep. <laughs> yeah, like personally. I, th- I feel like I've had to expand my bandwidth to give more time to my kids. Oh, what about me? <laughs> <laughs> How's that uh, bandwidth working out for me? <laughs> um, it's probably the same. Oh, okay. But it gets squeezed. Yeah, I feel the same way. When do you feel most protected or cared for or or by since having kids? Or do you feel protected or cared for anymore by me? (laughs) Um, Yeah, of course I do. I would say um, when we have those few spare quiet moments together, when we have that... Like on the couch? Yeah. And when we have that, like, say, rare date night Mm -hmm. and we get to spend any time together, hold hands. Uh, We had dinner the other night. Um, oh, after yeah, the kids nice. went to bed, that was, was nice. Where you just sat and talked, it was great. Um, yeah, we had we had candlelight dinner with with a bottle of wine. We did, <laughs> and takeout. And takeout. It was really, it was actually kind of nice, wasn't it? It was great. Aww. Yeah. What are you most thankful for when it comes to being my partner? Like now, not so much like when we first got married, but like now since having kids, what are you most thankful for besides me carrying your children and 
eking them out of my body? Uh, I would say I'm grateful for your love. I know is there. Oh, thank God. (laughs) Your humor. Your so you do think I'm funny? I do. You do. You heard it here, folks. My husband does think I'm funny, even though he rarely laughs at you. You rarely laugh at what I say or do, but you really do think that I'm funny. I do. Do you know what this is doing to my ego? I think so. Okay, thank you. Okay, keep going. <laughs> uh, yeah. So, love, humor, care, genuineness. You know, it, it's so hard to put it into words, but uh, and concisely. But the, I think the same things that. The same things that brought me to you and and made me want to marry you are the same things I think that are carrying me now. We just have two kids we have to care for. <laughs> that that crowds out time for us. What would like the balance in our kids versus us life look like to you? Like balancing it out better. What would that look like in like a perfect world where like our two and a half year old didn't climb out of bed four times a night? at 2 a.m. I mean, for, for me, what would work better is if I, I didn't have to have a job. Then I could just... Oh, right. I could just be with the kids all the time. That would be so amazing. And then uh, that would take pressure off of you and take the pressure off the little time we have together because we'd have more time together by virtue of the fact that I'd be spending more time with the kids. Mm-hmm. So just saying, if I remove the stress of job, that would, I think, f- take a little bit of the stress out of my life. Do you think that... Having kids at your age, being an older father, do you think that that's also part of it too? Like wanting to spend so much time with them? Um, I think that probably does have something to do with it. You know, I, I always thought that, boy, if I did have children of my own, say in my 30s, that I would have been a lot more absent as a dad. Mm. And I'm not, I don't think I'm doing that now. Or at least I know. No, in not. my heart that I'm not, you're not with the spare time that I have. I'm I'm trying to spend it with them and and be a good influence to them. And I see the importance also of them being very young uh, and and the impact that we have on their on their lives from a young age. Mm-hmm. It's very formative. Mm-hmm. So, Do you think that we'll ever get back to like what life was like before kids, or do you think? We just have to be better at establishing life after kids with each other. Yeah, I think that um, in a in a non-pandemic world, it, it would probably be a slight bit easier to do that. I think we always need to be doing that. I could certainly be doing a better job mm. as we go mm. with respect to how I should try to be more present within our relationship mm-hmm. other than the occasional date night or the, yeah. f- the few minutes we have before we pass out on the couch or in bed <laughs> <laughs> or talking while we're trying to brush our teeth at the same time. Yeah. It's hard. It's hard at times. But I'd say in the future, um, yeah, I think it'll return to what it used to be. You'll just be pushing me around in a wheelchair. Probably. I'm cool with that because then I'll just get to watch, you know, Bravo and you won't get a stay in anything. (laughs) I love you. Thank you. I love you too. I'm 
Margaret. And I'm Amy. And together we host the podcast, What Fresh Hell? Laughing in the Face of Motherhood. Margaret, I would say you're sort of a where are my keys kind of mom. Correct. Sometimes a where are my kids kind of mom. (laughs) Well, you're Amy more of a we were supposed to leave 35 seconds ago, mom. I mean, touche. In each episode of What Fresh Hell, we come at a topic from our usually completely opposite perspectives. I bring the research. And I bring kind of the gimlet eye. Like, is that research really going to work, people? And almost 10 million downloads later, we're still laughing. We also talk to experts in the parenting field, plus parents with stories we can all learn from. We make each other laugh, we challenge each other's assumptions, and we have what we think is the best parenting community on the internet. Check out What Fresh Hell? Laughing in the Face of Motherhood wherever you listen to podcasts. Feel like you're the martyr in your family? You're not alone. Hey, this is Joanne. And Brie. And we're from the No Guilt Mom podcast. Brie, we talk to a lot of moms. Yeah, we sure do. And if you're a mom who has a to-do list that is so massive that you get overwhelmed and you shut down. Or if you fall into the habit of doing everything for everyone and don't know how to change it, we can help you become a No Guilt Mom. We're going to take you from family martyr to family model. That's role model so that you role model the behavior that you want to see out of your kids. You're going to go from being tired and overwhelmed to energized and guilt-free. Every week, you'll get actionable strategies that you can implement right away from the experts that we interview and from us. We also have a whole lot of fun. So check out the No Guilt Mom podcast everywhere you listen to your favorite shows.